to be continued, a fanboy podcast. Please follow us on Twitter and Facebook. You can also catch us on the various platforms such as iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and to be continued, a fanboypodcast.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe. To be continued is an adult podcast for adults by adults. We may talk about superheroes, sci-fi, comic books, and all sorts of similar crap like that, but we may use adult and frank language when we do so. This is not a podcast for kids, brothers and sisters. Enjoy. To be continued, a fanboy podcast. Yes. You may not learn anything, but if you stick around. You may not learn anything, but if you oh. stay around, oh. you might well just have some fun. Uh, we always have fun here. I'm George Hamilton. George Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> this is to be continued, a fanboy podcast covering your fanboy passions. Uh, this is a very special episode uh, coming to you from Pancake Studios. He from loves gold. Jonathan Vergara, who Thanks. is who is the sort of uh, the uh, the... The Bernard Lee of our little crew here. Let's Thank just say you. that he's our own M. Thank you. Thank you. And well, as a, I got to book you guys at the Comedy Cellar. <laughs> <laughs> plug, 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 plug. Uh, I am Miguel Velez. Always, I'm John. I'm joined here by I'm Edward, Edward Ng, and the details of my life are quite inconsequential. <laughs> uh, wrong, must, wrong spy series. Wrong spy series. <laughs> Summers in Rangoon. Summers in Rangoon. <laughs> my qu- my father would would make outrageous statements like he invented the question mark. <laughs> we uh, today's episode. If you've clicked on the uh, the link here, we're doing a big James Bond 007 retrospective. Uh, no time to die. Of course, is the latest outing from uh, Daniel Craig's version of James Bond. So there will be a two-parter. This is the first part. Classic mm-hmm. 007. Yeah, we felt the need to go over um, the previous holders of the of the Bond title uh, before we get into the uh, 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 a review discussion about uh, No Time to Die. This actually has been a long time coming. Uh, Bond is a franchise that has an interesting placement in all of the genre kind of stuff that fanboys are into uh there are you know quite frankly there's a very strong like academic debate john about whether or not like is james Bond a superhero because if you uh, you look at his work well you look if at superheroes uh slap their slap wives <laughs> then maybe uh, so hello hank pym 
<laughs> so I think you're saying by the transit property. Well, he is Yellow Jacket a superhero or supervillain? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, there is a there is a debate. It's kind of like well, he, he, both the events, how they play out in those movies. I mean, let's be honest. There's nothing that happens in all of the James Bond films that you wouldn't find out of place in like a Batman movie, right? The gadgets, the you know, the the fighting and all the rest. So you're saying it's uh, Bruce Wayne without the, uh, the without suit. The, without the suit. In many there are there are some aspects that are that are like that. Uh it's a very long lived series, it's a very long lived franchise that of course crosses over to again all of the same billion dollars, seven a seven billion dollar, you know, film franchise. And we're not even talking about then the ancillary things because you know, Bond started in books. Yes. He becomes film. Um, John, your generation, quite frankly, 90s kids, Goldeneye the Game. I love that. As a, I, I, you know how big of a hit, how that's a, that's a, that's a game that gets reissued continually, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, had, I remember playing it on Nintendo 64 and the Goldeneye came in a gold cartridge. <laughs> Gold colored, gold uh, colored. But yeah, 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 it would be. Sorry, why is man? I know that I know that Nintendo games are expensive, but uh, why do I have to take out a loan to play Goldeneye? There's also the music that's attached to these movies, like the, the, yeah. it's its own music culture, music musical language. Yeah, which is both which is both an iconic theme as well as. Um, embracing uh, pop stars to do these big, you know, individual. Uh, he songs. loves gold. Yeah. He loves gold. Okay. He I, loves gold. I mean, even if you're <laughs> even if you're someone who's into just filmmaking, you think about the title sequences of a Bond film and how that was its own thing back in the day as well. Um, and of course, Bond touches on so many other things in culture. Um, obviously when it starts out is, you know, it's a, it's a product of the cold war and it reflects those times. Um, the sexual revolution. Uh, again, we the, were talking- mis- the misogyny attached <laughs> to the sexual revolution. <laughs> well, I mean, and post the sexual revolution. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, we're talking about a, 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 something that was widely disseminated in the culture. And kind of has its foot both in sort of like high class and low class. Um, the fact that JFK in the 60s talked about the Fleming novels as being like favorites of him was kind of like people were like, oh, that's code for he's really, really hip. You know what I mean? Uh, it was okay for a president or presidential candidate to say, I like the Bond films. Whereas I think even... Era, Thunderball was my favorite of all of them. <laughs> Can I just say that? <laughs> you, you, you see, uh, 007's huge. I said to myself when I first saw 007, I said, this is huge. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, um, so, like, uh, you've got games. You know, uh, God, he had, Bond had a cartoon. James Bond Jr., Ed. Yeah, I was, yeah. was going to, yeah, I was going to bring that up. <laughs> so, um, I think he was ripe for a retrospective on our parts here. Uh, we're gonna get we're gonna get an in, intergenerational yeah. an intergenerational thing. Although I do think he's waning a little bit, and I'm, I might talk about some of that. You as think well. so? 
Well, we were talking on the ride over, and we were saying, uh, I was saying, mm. when we were kids, John, um, there was always, like, um, there was this really deep-voiced announcer who used to do um, the ABC. ABC movie of the week. It was always like, this, Moon tonight, the ABC movie of the week, The Exorcist, starring Max von Sydow. Never say never. And it would, Moon and Raider. it was an event when you got to see a Bond movie because they were from the beginning with Doctor No. All you know, I would say maybe until like the the eighties action film came around, and we sort of like pacing and effects and all that sort of re, like that the scale got larger and larger. The pacing became faster, became quicker, became much more modern. Before that, the Bond films were the cutting-edge action movies, and yet I think if you were to watch any of the older ones, especially the Connor ones, you'd be like, how is this an action film? It's slower-paced. It's not. It doesn't have the same feel. Now, now is that to say that it, did it invent the spy, the, the, the gentleman spy genre? It... I, you know, like, it and that's did, hard it to say. Inv- it didn't invent it, um, uh, you know... You have to understand, of course, that, you know, um, I don't want to cover too much about Fleming mm-hmm. and the books, because this is really, right, we're talking yeah, yeah. about, we're really going to go nor, over. The, nor are we the, the, going the, the, to, the, not in yeah. this show, we're not going to hit every single movie. Yeah, this is that. not a retrospective that is where we're going to talk yeah. about every single movie. We've, we're we going to organize this around the actors and the eras that they were Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, before the films, he was a literary character, um, you know. We're talking about something that was produced by a actual gentleman spy guy who was involved in espionage during you know during World War II, who was Bond in the books is a much is not exactly what he is in the movies, and that is another thing like you know from the beginning from from Doctor No on yeah there's something about like I'm looking at. Um... You know, there's this illustration of James Bond, and right, yeah, and you, and he's he looks like, straight. Up, it's it looks like something out of a uh, Arthur Conan um, a Doyle because, book, right? And we have to we have to re- remember that that's why Bond is a he's a he was a throwback even when he was new to movies. He was something that you know in the nineteen you know we're talking about something that was uh, the books are from the fifties, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> um, they're first getting made in the sixties. And the original author's intent was something that was itself an older thing. And I so think that why- that's why he has that whole thing about Bond being um, very patriarchal. Why you know why Bond is he? He serves the British crown for God's sakes. You know, for Queen and Country, all of those sort of things. That the idea of Bond being a character that he you know as, as many times as you'll have Bond in like. Maybe he'll go to a jungle. Maybe it'll be a seedy place. But for the most part, we think of Bond in a tux, drinking some scotch, and in the upper the, echelon. The women, world. the women involved, like so, like you, you mentioned well, yeah, you get, uh, the, the halls of yeah, power. Right. Let's just so say. Fleming is this. He's this English writer, you know, and he and he bring he turns out these series of novels. But I think the from a wide cultural aspect of it, uh, it wasn't in, at least in my mind. It takes a guy like Hugh Hefner. To give it a really wide popular appeal, right? And not only that, but inject a sense of 
American uh, Americanism and culture and sexual uh, sexuality this, I, it, to it. Without, I think that Hefner was looking at Bond and the fact that Fleming. I mean, like, okay, this is not again going back to the sort of the old schoolness of Bond. Like, I believe I'm not even believe I I know this is a quote where essentially from one of the books Fleming writes like Bond making love to a woman. And says Bond enjoyed Bond enjoys <laughs> sex with the touch of rape. I'm not this is, like literally that is what's written there. He enjoys sex with the touch of rape. And so Hefner, like, and, and while we can teehee a little bit or think how go, you got to understand the fact that you had a character in a book and he's described that this way from the '50s and then being adapted into it's. While we look at it today with like Jesus, there was a liberating part of that. It was not. It wasn't saying, "Oh, a man, you know, an unmarried man over a certain age just doesn't have sex." Like this was saying in the fifties, we know what you guys are doing. <laughs> we know you like it. You know you enjoy it. We're gonna write about it. Here, here's a very interesting thing. So I and I've said on the show before, you know, there's certain things that you really don't need to have an understanding of the English language. And my father being a litmus, litmus test to those things, Benny Hill, <laughs> right. wrestle, pro wrestling on television. And James Bond. James Bond is just pretty much up there, right? Where, you know, where, whether you are... Because... Uh, because whether you're Hispanic yeah. or Asian, the fantasy of being the man who walks in the room that... Do whatever the hell you that want. every man wants to be and every woman wants. A man who, again, is... Goes to all the great parties, all the great casinos, drive the nice the great, cars, right? Exactly, and know. and and gets to kill men and steal their girlfriends. Yeah, there is nothing. <laughs> I mean, there's and, a uh, cut to theme, you know, yeah, like right. yeah, there is. I mean, there's a reason why this it, it stands the test of time. It's not necessarily super complex. The appeal we all know, yeah. you know, the the very like, yep, we want. Uh, what are what? Okay, what are like for you? If you were to describe the elements that ma that make Bond attractive as a franchise or any individual movies, uh, what would they be? Um, well, the action that that okay, for me so that's you, you gotta, for, you first off the action, big a big action. Secondly, sequences. the women, <laughs> women, right? Sex, um, locales, and the lo yeah, lo yeah, yeah. That, that he's that you're getting a travel, which is another part of his appeal because we forget in the you know you know John, you've grown up in an age where y you want to see anything. Anytime you can take it, you can literally take something out of your pocket and do that, right? Whereas travel logs and things of that nature, <laughs> right? You know, we la you're laughing, but there's the truth. If you were in the middle of Des Moines, Iowa, you were you may you were never going to see New York. You were never going to see London. You know, in the in the you know in the immediate post, you know, World I War II. I love these streets of Monaco. Hi, I'm James Bond. Let me show you <laughs> where I'm having lunch. Today. But but they that's what they were. They were like, okay, I'm never. You know, most of us are never going to have the money to go to these places. So here we're going to go to these big, and we're going to always make them part of the story. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, so that that all that stuff wrapped up. That's Bond is what makes Bond as so appealing. It's not uber complex. It's glamour. It's glitz. However, and we've said this before, and uh, that uh, as much as it's 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 glamorous and and glitzy and and fantastic and action packed and and all that sexual energy, you know, that's just built up. It's. 
is it the greatest of all franchise of all times? You, you, you know, you, you, you will die. You die on that hill. I'm just going to shut up. Well, I, it's 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 a hill that I I didn't dig that hill. I didn't dig up that hill. But it's the same. Are that, we digging a hill? Wait well, a look, look, Are look, we look. making a hill? Are, are we, we making, making a hole? Well, which what are we doing? I don't which know. Is it? But yeah, but uh, but well, that, that, and that, and I know that you yeah. said, but you have a thing where it's you're saying been, it's, it's it's not as it's a la- it's there's a very lackluster uh, uh, nest too. A lot of Bond. A lot of Bond movies. A lot of. At this point, with so many, with twenty six, this is the twenty. Is is no time to deny the twenty fifth or the twenty sixth Bond? Twenty six movies. Your batting average might not necessarily be great. You know what I mean? Um, And I will totally cop to that as a guy. That said. When Bond is at its best, there's a reason he's well. That franchise is well remembered. Why people have such twenty five. You know, this is the twenty five. So after twenty five movies, yeah, you're gonna. Uh, I I agree. There there are some. There are definitely some ones from each Bond's era. Twenty five. Um, twenty five uh, as a Ian Eon production. Um, oh, 26 because of Never yeah, Say 20, Never. Right. And then 27 if you include the Woody Allen and Orson Welles uh, Casino Royale. <laughs> Um, so, uh, but I, I think that when it's at its best, there's good reason why it's remembered. There's good reason why it's uh, just a great time to sit down. That said, when Bond is bad, you are watching, you are looking at your, you are looking at your watch. You are kind of going like, this is kind of fun with the going around the world and the nude women and the shooting well, then and the killing, something, but it, I don't care what's but, happening. And there are definitely a bunch of Bond films that I would say fall into that lackluster character i think depending on how you approach it and when you approach it right so like uh within so we're we're still in COVID times and uh this was this particular show was something long in the works and uh maybe about uh two months ago uh i spent many hours washing dishes and just putting old (laughs) bond movies on and ev- after every time I would finish a movie, I would talk to Miguel about it. I mean, did the and did the spirit of Sean Connery ever sh- ever say you're like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you know what you gotta do to to stop doing these dishes? You gotta slop your wife. <laughs> but yes, <laughs> shamey movies. I've never heard of this in my whole life. Uh, there's your wife over there. So just just walk over and just slap her. A slapper. Um, it, so you know, I'm I'm watching these classic movies. And there is a very, uh, there's something very niche and very keech, is that if that's even a word, something very cute about it, you know, because uh, you have the old fashioned themes from uh, McCartney's uh, um, uh, Live and Let Die, Die to, Thunderball to, to Thunderball by Tom Jones, yeah. ba- uh, Shirley Basie, you know, there there's something just that's very iconic about these things, right? Yeah. Undeniably iconic. And yet, I. And yet, agreeing with you, there is agreeing and but disagreeing. Agreeing on this part, where yeah, there's now now here's a, there's there, a lot there, of stuff. There's there's a crude cheese. There's that but some not of the cheese that, is good. Let, let some me do, of the let cheese me is say, good, let, but let me not. Say. But let me put it this way: like if all it's a if sometimes there are some bomb movies that it's all they're doing is giving you cheese. Sometimes they're just giving you these okay. overly intricate plots that you perfect can't example follow. Uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I just cracked this joke because um, and I'm like, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you realize this, but uh, the Asian girl in the beginning of You Only Live Twice, where he actually makes cra- says that comment about the Peking duck. And, and and the Asian girl who walks away goes, oh, I make a Peking duck for you. You know, 
That is Shang-Chi. That is Aquafina's grandmother in Shang-Chi, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> this you don't realize that. kind of blew that. my mind. Right. So now, that particular scene, you go, wah, wah. There's something. But there's a certain, you know, like there's something You really... also give, uh, that's why he had, I don't think he's fallen completely out because you kind of have carved out a grandfathering right. of like, I'll give some special dispensation to Bond because it's or the from fact this that or even time. or even the fact that in was it in Thunderball where where he meets this gorgeous girl on an island, um, singing uh, under the coconut tree that song. Oh, is it Doctor Thunder- No, that's Do- Doctor Doctor no, no, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah. And, you know, and then cut the scene. They they're dodging bullets from right, like yeah. from from like the Coast Guard over there, right? Uh, so there's there's certain scenes where it's like, oh, you know, you, that you that really grabs you now. Compare and contrast to. Moonraker. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Ouch. <laughs> uh, Miguel. Well, this it is... It hurts. This it is, hurts. This is an interesting aspect of Bond. Um, uh, so I'll say, I'll say this before we, we go to commercial here. Bond is an interesting franchise in that we use Bond as a shorthand for things, right? If we see something in a movie where like, hey, he's got gadgets like, like James Bond or something like that. We got to James Bond this up, whatever. But the truth is, Bond as a franchise does not set any standards. Or no, I'm not set standards. It doesn't. Um, Bond has always followed trends, not set them. That's true. Um, you can make a very, very strong argument that even Connery's first two movies, um, Doctor No and From Russia with Love are heavily influenced by uh, Alfred Hitchcock's North by Northwest. Yes. Many people have yeah, said yeah, yeah. that mm-hmm. Hitch's, that North by Northwest was Hitch's take on Bond, mm-hmm. you know, to a large degree. A very suave character, um, the locations, the locales. I mean, for God's sake, at the end of, the, what is the end of North by Northwest? Um, the villains have a secret lair on top of Ra- Mount Rushmore. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the battle is literally within like Lincoln's nose. Or something. I'm not. This is like so. Martin like, Landau, ladies and gentlemen. Martin Landau is as, 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 as the as the as the homosexual bad guy. In it. Now this is one of this is the thing. The, the first couple of Bond movies are like we're grokking off of Hitchcock. As time went on, the Bond films were all like, okay, what do we got? More comes in. What's big? Black exploitation. Okay, what's this Bond movie going to yeah, be yeah, like yeah. from 1972? Yeah. Star Wars. Star you Wars know. gives you Moonraker. Yeah. And then even modern day, the Craig, you know, there is a very strong argument, in my opinion, that the Craig films are a reaction to things like the Bourne Identity. Mm-hmm. And um, Nolan's and not the Batman other way around. films, and not the way, not the other way around, which is uh, because of Born Identity, obviously a, a spy thriller, right? Yeah, you yeah. Know? Um, but they had they had Winter Soldier and Bond. <laughs> <laughs> I am not, and you know, you know, and that was the thing. You know, the Bourne movies were like what I'm a the program weapon. Yeah, right. what they. I'm not, and not just that, but the action, like the action that are in the Bourne the movies. Action, yeah. yeah, you look at that, and you can see, like they said, that's what's missing. From a modern Bond, I will have to. I do have to say, Daniel Craig surpasses some of that in his acrobatics. Some of those. Oh yeah, they, the stunt work in stunt the Craig in the Craig movies are like impeccable. Did. So I I do agree that maybe they are adapting to the times and like pulling ideas from 
uh, contemporary movies, but uh, they're acrobatics. They do. They acrobatics. do. They they put a good spin on it. Really, but crazy. like yeah, that's sort of the that that's a, an interesting facet of Bond in that he kind of has always chased trends rather than set them. Um, now we're gonna come back after this break. And we're going to, uh, like I said, we're organizing this by the eras. And we're going to do them chronologically. So we will go down, you know, each actor, their time in the role, what stands out to us, you know. Uh, and we will get to that after these words from friends. We had our bathroom basement done. Anna Maria Stanimir Gromo, a friend of the podcast, who lives out in France, she consults and she says, hey, let me design your your basement bathroom. And that's exactly what you did. She did everything um, via email, via FaceTime. Did the renderings like, and everything, right? The renderings and everything, a completely beautiful. I took the renderings and uh, hired a contractor and they are currently putting, the, as we're speaking, putting the finishing touches on my basement. And it looks fantastic. It looks great. Servicing clients, domestic international, a master's here to help you through your different phases to transform your space into a reflection of you. Go to amastadesign.com. That is Amasta spelled A-M-A-S-T-A design. In the kitchen with Roro. In the kitchen with Roro. R-O-R-O. If you're looking for bite-sized bits of yumminess and need to satisfy that sweet tooth, then check out In the Kitchen with Roro on Instagram. Each item especially made by our personal friend Rosie here in Brooklyn. Also coming to YouTube, that's In the Kitchen with Roro. And those were words from friends. Uh, So we're going to go into uh, each era of Bond by the actors. Uh, You know where we're going to start with Sean, and then we're going to end with Daniel. You should pronounce broccoli or broccoli. (laughs) Albert R. Broccoli or broccoli. Which is it? All that matters is that we know that he only loves gold. <laughs> you decide. Uh, the first, uh, Ed, the first James Bond film was Dr. No. I'm Dr. No, and I work for Spectre. Spectre? Spectre? Yes, Spectre. 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 Got it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, the um, Bond comes at a time when we're moving out of uh, the I, as I always like to say, I never say that the you know decades end their influence, their times. It's not clean. So the truth is, Bond comes the first uh, the first uh, uh, Doctor No film is what year is fifty nine? Uh, Doctor No is sixty two. Doctor No sixty two. Sixty two. Wow, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Directed by Terrence Young. Um, yeah, 62, which goes into, not introducing, and, the, and then Thunderball goes into, does it go into Thunderball? No, well, the first is, first is Dr. No, and then is, uh, yes, Dr. No, 62, then From Russia With Love. Okay. Uh, uh, what I'm saying about eras not ending cleanly, 62 is very early in the 1960s. 
there is still that it's pre it's pre Kennedy. Anything is pre Kennedy assassination, in my opinion. It's still kind of the fifties, and you see that in that first Doctor No movie, where you know you look at the culture, and if that movie came out in nineteen fifty five, it wouldn't be all that different. That said. We see the formula take place in that first film. L- let me just go down the line, by the way. Okay. Dr. No, 62. Uh, 62. Goldfinger, 64. Um, uh, I'm sorry. No, From Russia With Love is 63. 63. Goldfinger is 64. Thunderball. Which, by the way, look at look at this production rate. Dr. No comes out in 62, and then 63, 64, 65, Five, and 67. 66, 67. Is, you know... Uh, all of well, Connery's films, so... You only live twice. You could you could have seen, like, look at it, just three years straight, there was a Bond movie in the theaters. That would never happen today. <laughs> I mean, if you were trying to... That, I mean, like, look at this movie, how, how long it took for them to get uh, No Time to Die, just made, done, and then with all the delays and COVID. Here was like, they gave you Dr. No, and there's like, oh, you want the sequel? Yeah, don't worry, next year, next year. Yeah, probably like at the end of the movie, there was a trailer for the next one. Might as well have yeah. been. Um, but it, but it's it's funny though, because um, as you say, because they follow trends. Uh, the, the From Russia with Love takes place on a train, you know? It's there's something very uh, Orange Express, very orange, or even if you go to there's something very um, 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 uh, what's his name? Uh, you just brought him up before. The Hitchcock, very very Hitchcock about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. Those know? I think that they definitely were grogging. Um, you can see that, that why they cast Connery in this part um, from the from the get go. And you also see that Bond is a character who it's he's a he's the protagonist and yet my lord even in Doctor No I I can't I can't think of another contemporaneous character in pop culture who had his like a, such a widely viewed movie that is all that also at the time was so cavalier about killing. Now sure, you had a lot of 50s from the 40s through the 60s westerns where you know people are blowing each other away you know you know without a thought but that is in that sort of like you know you think of the setting you think of what those stories were okay here is bond a man in a three-piece suit in the modern world and like he he'll you know he gets picked up by a driver susses out that he's uh, yeah this guy's gonna kill me and let's like that guy ends up dead, and then he just drives that guy's body back in like the back seat, and is like, "Oh, my friend here is dead tired," or, or some other quip or some <laughs> bullshit, and he's doing that like every single movie. That that's see, you said they're not trendsetters, but that's weekend at Bernie's. That's, like, <laughs> that's, that's Pulp Fiction. That you know. <laughs> <laughs> I had not thought of it that way. I, I see he's given he just gave birth to the to modern you know comedy <laughs> movies, right? So well, well, um, it, the Sean Connery's period in this is uh, I shout out to my grandmother. Ian Fleming always said that Bond should be a blunt instrument; that he should be a man who w- will kill uh, very coldly for you know do what he has to tell. The more uh, the idea of yeah, him, he, I remember playing the video game, and I'm like, oh, he's a hitman. 
Right, you, you know? would think, and but now, but now it's a little more than that, right? Like espionage. It's well, it's it's always been that, yeah, but yeah, yeah. you know, because you got to have again the visceral th- thrills and all the rest. It's like, yeah, Bond has a big body count, and you get why Connery is playing this guy. But Connery, I don't think the suaveness of Bond, while it's evident in the books. It really comes into play in the films. Once you go to a visual medium, it's you know from the very they knew that from the very introduction there he is at the at you know at the at the card table, you know lighting up the cigarette and you know there's this beautiful woman across from him that they're obviously doing some sort of footsies. It it was a bit of a you know I don't think there had been quite characters like that. And then maybe because Connery was such a new and he wasn't this wide, he wasn't this like, this is what made him a star. So if we talk about Hitchcock and North by Northwest, like, you know, Cary Grant in that, he's suave, he's cool, he's not a killer. (laughs) Okay, that is a dude who is scrambling and but keeping keeping his cool under a situation, but he's not a deadly assassin or anything like that. Whereas Bond has this like, no, no, no. At any point in time, this guy, the license to kill is is prevalent. And it's, <laughs> and it's there in the, all those Connery films. Now, I have to say that because this uh, that under Sean Connery's belt, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven films, okay? I think one of them is an apocryphal, right? Yeah, yeah, let's never say no. Um, you get to Diamonds Are Forever, well, now let, let, let me just and let let me just just remind everyone that uh, I feel that they were learning things along the way when they were just sort of turning out these movies because the scene where where he fights Bambi and Thumper. Okay? Yes, <laughs> he's one one who's a one who and by the way, two beautiful acrobatic women uh, who are just like doing flips. Uh, and and somersaults and and to 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 Sean who's just who's kind of just muscling them and protecting to protect Jimmy Dean. To, <laughs> now and I think that they're just saying you know what we can just amp these up like no more are the um, and I don't I don't know if you remember the Manchurian Candidate I'm sure oh, yeah, you do judo, yeah 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 where where Sinatra Frank where, where, yeah, yeah, yeah you know yeah, that's chop. that karate chop thing those those things well, were that is something sort that of just Connery's phase out with that that going to what John said here hold on uh, that maybe there's again I guess there were a lot of ninja like the truth is the ninja craze that we think of <laughs> the ninja craze that we think of it starts actually with nineteen with novels from Japan from the 1950s that are all BS. They're all just made up like stuff about the ninjas. The ah, the Connery <laughs> films have a lot of martial, you know, the Bond films, let's admit, have always focused and featured a lot of martial arts. You know, whether, you know, right from, from Dr. No, it's like he gets to Jamaica and again, that driver, like I said, that picks him up and he has this whole big like judo flip fight thing with him they've always had that as like as well as, miguel in japan men come first <laughs> women come second is that a pun <laughs> it feels like you're doing a pun what does that even mean <laughs> um it's a euphemism. uh so well and you know that's no, but you know uh i was about to say what's what's up with the 60s and their obsessions with uh chopping the neck 
Because that's all over Star Trek as well. Judo, yeah, yeah. The, the, the metal <laughs> bouncing, ricocheting off the walls and kicking, you know. Yeah. Um, or, or double, double fisted axle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can I, can I just bring one more thing up with with you only live twice? Okay. Y'all know who wrote "You Only Live Twice." Roald Dahl. Roald Dahl, yes. Wrote "You Only Live Twice," <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. The man who gave us. Charlie, Willy and Wall- Charlie, Char- Charlie and Chocolate Factory, amongst other children classics. And of course. A little thing called Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, look. <laughs> uh, we're getting a little off course here. Um, Connery's time in the role uh, establishes everything that we think about Bond. The suaveness, I think, the, I think that Connery is... The Urbond with that he's smooth, but he, you know, if to if to accomplish his mission means he's going to snap your neck, that's what he's going to do. He's not a sentimental kind of guy, but he's got his own. Like there, they, all of Connery's films, you see all of the things that will be either built upon or you know, maybe uh, further detailed, but it's all then, uh, uh, when you were doing your watch, um, which of which of the Connery films uh, stood out to you? Well, I, I, I think I said straight up that Goldfinger was, <laughs> no pun intended, the gold standard to these movies. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, as corny as some of the things were, right. and yet it very much was bonds. I yeah. mean, if anything, that just sort of, sort of defined what James Bond 007 was it was Goldfinger it is it's like the the def, it is not definitive in the sense that but it is definitive in that it's so many things are defined about Bond in it yeah and I, and I believe um, now I don't um, which one had the first you know the, the the illustrious silhouetted intro I know it wasn't Dr. No yeah Dr. No uh, I don't think I Russia was from say, I don't think I have a feeling it was Goldfinger I think it was Goldfinger. Right. I think Goldfinger is the one that, like, definitely, it's like, oh, this yeah. is. There are there are some dancing girls in the Doctor No title sequences. Right. There is some shadowy thing, which yeah. was, by the way, shout out to my mother and my father. That was my dad loved that. It was like the the nude women in the <laughs> beginning of, of like yeah he, he was like this is this is for gun me. barrels smoke yeah steam, exactly whatever. yeah and and I think for a lot of guys like my dad who grew up during that time it was uh. It but was I like, think it set a trend, yeah. It, it, and it's well, all the things are there that you can identify as Bond. Set a trend. Okay, well, well oh, for oh, Bond. Oh. For Bond. But for, for Bond. Bond. Within its, but for yeah. its own films. But then you'd fast forward to The Spy Who Shagged Me and you got the machine gun. Well, that's a... See, see what we got but that's a pa- But that's parody. That's going into parody. But, that, but that's yeah. influence. Um, I think that the thing about Goldfinger is that, like, when you think Bond, it 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 checks all the boxes. It's like... This villain is a villain with this with an an insane name, these this weird obsession and a theme. He has an incredible. He has a a henchman character who is you know the silent physical threat against Bond. You've got the you know g- ultimate oh gorgeous you know Bond girl who of course in this case is sets that Pushy whole like I'm where I work for the bad guy but got the. Bond's penis is just so good. <laughs> so good, I will switch sides and I will I will work against my employer. Like there's a lot of those things and you know uh, and uh uh uh, Gold, uh Goldfinger uh while Russia with love 
has a a good song. It's like it's like from Russia with love. It's a very it's 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 not one of the, the memorable ones. It doesn't have any energy to it. Whereas you go to Goldfinger and you Shirley Bassey, ah, right? Yeah, the, with the, the horns. horns and everything. It was a. It, it, it's not. It was definitely of its time of that late fifties, early sixties sound. It had like a, swing band. Kind of well, more like, like the big sound that like Sinatra had at that yeah, time. Yeah, it was the, something a little like that. Band, yeah. Uh, so yeah, go. I would say I Goldfinger. Here's the thing, Ed. Though, all right. I absolutely agree with you that the most James Bond of Connery's films is Goldfinger. Mm-hmm. Is it one of the best? I prefer yeah, yeah. Thunderball. <laughs> he loves you like the school fights. Yeah, I like the school fights. Well, tattoo. I mean you got to you got to here's what you got to admit. The ending to um the end, which is, again, the um, finales and sequences in the Bond films are also really important. The ending to Goldfinger is cool, but my God, the ending to Thunderball, that underwater fight, and then the fight on the, the hydrofoil, and then the yacht that has a hydrofoil hidden inside of it that goes, ah, come on, like, uh, and I just, um, I like that it Thunderball, to me, rides a line where it's, it has a little. It has enough cheese, but then you're still like, "Oh no, this is a this is a man on a mission movie where a guy's got to stop these guys from getting these nuclear like like I I like that and I think it's very Hold on, focused." I'm a phone call. Okay. Oh, uh, oh he's is, at, is what oh. is Maxwell smart here? <laughs> John is currently what's this chief? <laughs> Missed it by that much. Okay. Target is inside. Sight. <laughs> uh, I, I, but that's I, th- I I I I like Thunderball Mall. It's a little more uh, the villain. You see, while Goldfinger is a great outrageous villain, George and me never say never. They're the same movie. <laughs> They're the same movie. Um, <laughs> L- I like Largo and Thunderball more. He comes across as uh, dangerous. He comes across as a guy who, while maybe not as physically intimidating as Bond. He's definitely as cool as Bond, whereas Goldfinger to me always feels like a super, a grasping supervillain. You know, um, Largo feels like when you when you're introduced to Largo in Thunderball at that Spectre meeting, right? So like he goes to the meeting, it's like, hey, this is just my job, whatever. He goes in there and like he's sitting around the table and going to your Austin Powers thing because they parried this in Austin Powers. They uh, there's this table of all this all the Spectre. Uh, you know, lieutenants there. And Blofeld is like, oh yes, number four, you have failed me. <laughs> and like, he's sitting in a chair, he gets electrocuted in the chair, right? And Largo is right next to the dude and he just starts going through his papers like, yeah, this is this is my job. Guy over here just got electrocuted, what are you going to do, man? You know? So is that, with that uh, Blofeld's um, first appearance... Oh, um, uh, I know he appears. No, in the, no, he no. only lived twice. He's in there. No, he's a, a, a Blofeld as the the head of Spectre is. I want to say in. I want to say he's in Russia with Love. Okay, I want to say that because I think that because Russia with Love's whole thing is there. Spectre is continuing its uh, operations, domination. its world domination, whatever operations, and they're like, we gotta. Oh, MI six. Put a hurt on us and killed Doctor No. We gotta get them. We gotta we gotta drop James Bond. And I want to say, I want to say Blofeld's in it. I don't think he's a big part, but I think he's is. 
Uh, uh, let's close this section with, with, well, before we get into that, the never say never thing, you know, which... What the, oh, the the whole thunderbolt? Well, I don't know. Yeah. That's so complicated. It's a question it's of so no, it is. complicated. It's a question of rights and what they could do and what they couldn't do. And then this company was trying to do it. And then that company. Hey John, was trying- are you are you aware that there were two at one particular year? There were two quote unquote James Bond movies released oh. in the same year. Oh, yeah. One with Roger Moore. Different. The other one with Sean Connery. Oh. We have like a Batman situation. Well, in this case, it's uh, you have. Well, at least you know currently with the Batman thing, it's a question of that within that company. This was the people who owned the rights to James Bond because of some weird legal finagling that happened to do with the original producers. It was this sort of thing where it was like, oh, you have the rights to this story or these story elements, and you could, if you conceivably get the money together. Could make your own James Bond oh, so movie. These are two separate companies. Yes, completely. it was a whole falling out thing of the original so guys it's more like and a Sony Marvel. Thing. So in 1983, okay, 1983, Sean Connery comes out of the woodwork because really? and, and, well, he had, yeah, <laughs> right? that's the other part. Well, we have to we have to tell. Him. Hold on, he had stopped being Bond. He yeah, he was because no Roger really? Moore was already Bond, and in 1983 there was a, a Bond uh, a Roger Moore Bond movie called Octopussy. Yes, octopus. Yes, Ed. <laughs> Eight vaginas. And so, <laughs> but a different production, a different studio says uh, at the same at time, the same time, or like no, we're doing a we're doing this movie with Connery. So but, we have a Ro- Roger Moore Connery. But there is, but there's very, but it's considered an apocryphal like uh, a Bond movie because there is you don't have the traditional gun barrel. Nothing intro. about it because it wasn't done by that same. The company. only like, thing that you have is the fact that he's James Bond, and it's Connery. They knew what they were doing with that. Yeah, remember me, folks. <laughs> <laughs> um. And did they work together at all onto like the storyline? It's totally unrelated. Unrelated. It's unrelated, but so it's funny. How does it what, enter into the canon, though? How does it? it it's not in the canon it? officially because it's like, well, it's not part of. It. There are two Bond projects that are non done by the people who, who like really are behind the Bond movies. You and I know. There is Never Say Never, mm-hmm. and then there was a movie from '69 or something like that. Uh, oh, from the because the Casino Royale. Which was this movie that is parody? Oh, John, you want to hear the? Li- <laughs> do you want to hear the cast of this film? Because oh it's so an amazing. Just it, no, no, no. <laughs> it, you've got Orson Welles, Ooh. Woody Allen, Ooh. Peter Sellers, Ooh. David Niven, Ooh. and they they play like. David Niven plays the original James Bond. Like, it's going with this own thing where it's like, oh, Niven was the original Bond, and he has a nephew who is Woody Allen's character, Jimmy Bond, but then Peter Sellers is also James Bond, and then Peter Sellers, like, did everything in his power to get Orson Welles into the movie and then refused to work. It's a whole scene. And now, it's not a very, it's not a good parody either. It's not considered. It's, no one really talks about it. I don't know if any. I, I don't know if there's a reason. I don't think it's good. I've seen it yeah. a few times over the years, and every time I go like, "Let me give this a reappraisal," I always go like, "It's kind of lifeless and strange, and yeah. not all that." It's not even that funny, in my opinion, mm-hmm. despite like a, a great cast. Uh, but yeah, this Never Say Never came out at the same time, and it was because Connery had stopped doing the part, and they knew that if we can get 
oh, the original Bond to be in a new Bond movie will 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 make money, and it uh, again it uh, it is only and, a remake of a previous Bond. Movie. And the summer of '83, if you ask, well, how did it do? Well, they were pretty much neck and I believe um, Octopussy made like 160, 180 uh, million, and Never Say Never made 160. So they were neck and neck. They were both considered, and which shows you the appeal successes. of that appeal of the character, and I think also shows Connery's the appeal. Appeal of Connery. That that he that he was still even years after and not being in the part, and that's why, like you said. He his time it defines that he has. Uh, I, I don't. While I like Thunderball better, I think that academically, you're right. That <laughs> that that Goldfinger is like the. This is what yeah. these are the all of the. These are all the elements you need to have to make a great Bond movie that will. This is how you make a Happy Meal. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty and much. I think Miguel's going to wrap me in the mouth for even bringing this up. Uh-oh. But like I just saw this YouTube about how The Rock. The yes, Rock. I think it's the best way to end Connery. The yes. Rock, the the movie with 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 Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery, that that is considered um, a, a a stealth a fan Bond movie. film stealth Bond movie with that character who calls himself John Miller with former Mason. SAS. But but in reality, if you watch it, it's like no, that is James Bond because in these years, there's a whole entire like you could theory. almost make the argument that. The Rock is a story about the Connery Bond, who, uh, I guess when he stopped being Bond, like mm-hmm. the last Bond movie he did, which is like 67, um, that basically, afterwards, he a got- 007 could never retire. Well, in the, you know, the whole, the, the, the character, his character from The Rock, the whole thing was that he was a British agent who knew, who J. Edgar Hoover, who ran the American FBI- had all these secrets, some of them on foreign dignitaries and foreign nationals. And so the the, the MI6 basically is like, oh, we're going to send this guy to steal all of these secrets that J. Edgar Hoover has. Gets caught. He gets caught and he gets locked up in, in Alcatraz. Alcatraz. And then he, he escapes Alcatraz. He escapes from Alcatraz right. once and that's why they have to bring him back. It is like, oh, it very well could just be this is, this, you know. side quest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the true quest. last Bond story of yeah. Connery's Bond, if you will. And... Ed Ed just discovered this, but I've known about this as a theory <laughs> for like twenty years. Like it's been like a lot of people have said, and you know. Well, I've discovered the cure for cancer. I've lost it. God, you and fucking medicine man. <laughs> anyway, um, I know that I I discovered Bond um, through my family, and Connery was like this was like even though. More was the bond of when I was growing up, for the most part, in the Dalton. Here's the truth: like as soon as I, I even I as a kid looked at Connery's movie and I said, "Oh, this, yeah, I get, I like this more than I like the the Roger Moore." I uh, mean, it's hard to beat Sean Connery's charisma, you know, his smoothness, yeah, 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 and yeah. but also that he embodies that lethality. He has also a little bit of that arrogance. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You yeah, deserve, but well, deserved we, it. Right. We yeah. talked about it along the way, like you know, like post Bond, he still continues to be this, or he turns into this, morphs into this I, silver fox, still this sexual energy, eminence, if you will. You know, starring, starring, starring with co-hosts uh, with like you know the likes of Catherine Zeta Jones and. Um, um, Michelle Ford, Ford, you know, forget about Highlander. Well, we can't, I actually would not forget about Highlander, absolutely. One of my favorites, uh, the movie where he's uh, a Scotsman, 
uh, playing an Egyptian who's pretending to be a Spaniard, you know? Pretending to be Bond. Master of disguise. Hey, how about this? How do we know? How do we know that uh, Mason from The Rock isn't really just Ramirez, (laughs) who actually for a period in the 60s, which would explain how Bond gets out of all the situations, because he's really an immortal. Have you ever been to to Salamanca? (laughs) You have to try the tapas. Look, look, all right. I want some arroche campoya. <laughs> um, well, but yeah, he's he got you know these these films establish him, and he had for a short period afterwards sort of the same sort of all the Bond actors to a degree have, which is the typecasting, the hounding, just that you become this so famous overnight. But it's all there in Connery's run. Mm-hmm. Um, I I get I still love those movies. Um, I think that. There, there is a. They aired on the side of, of plot and seriousness while having the fun and the quips. Because you know Connery is the guy; he's the original one-liner. You know what I mean? And they get, they grow and grow throughout as those, as the as the series goes yeah. on. Um, I think that. There is something to be said, though, because we're going to move into the, the to the, the the more error uh, after uh, we after we do George commercials. Lazenby, though, no. Oh, I guess Lazenby. Right. Yeah, well, we'll we'll do Lazenby and then more when we come back because okay, this is one of the interesting things that you know it does shift. They don't just say to Roger Moore, "Do this like Sean Connery or Lazenby." They do put their stamp on 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 the part and the role, and we'll get to what they did in the role of James Bond after these words from friends. Now, <sighs> oh, what's the matter, Miguel? Uh, I feel fat, Ed. I feel the same way, too. Oh, you too, John? Yeah. You guys, you both you guys need to get in shape. And a way to go about this is by going with JP Total Fitness. JP Total Fitness? What's that? Uh, our pal, Jonathan Padilla, friend of the show, Runs a Brooklyn-based personal training and remote coaching service committed to leading you becoming stronger and faster. Go to jptotalfitness.com. I love our logo. No, really. I love our logo. The To Be Continued Fanboy Podcast logo was provided to us by friend of the show, Matt Sulkowski, who also runs MSD Studios. And what does Matt do at MSD Studios? He provides positive reinforcement for your brand. Located in Philadelphia, Matt has worked with clients of all sizes and has helped them to focus on designs for campaigns, rebrands, and new brands. Get in touch for your next project, MSD Studios. That's msdstudios.com. You know what, Miguel? I... I've got a hankering for for chicken. Have you been hearing uh, uh, possibly Telly Savalas uh, trying you to like hypnotize chicken. you at nice? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome yeah. back. We're back. We're back uh, covering more of James Bond. Uh, we're moving into the post Connery era, and okay, George Lazenby. I have a very strange relationship. Ed, Ed you tell me because you had not seen. Right. Uh, you- I didn't discover that there was something called On Her Majesty's Secret <laughs> Service until I was uh, until like the late nineties, right? 
you're going through the bonds and the late 90s i think that was uh the uh, i think brosnan, that, yeah yeah brosnan, brosnan starts his 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 tenure and then i'm like wait what is this on her majesty's secret service and let me tell you if you read enough star logs <laughs> and they've mentioned this movie i'm like what is this it isn't like today where you can easily stream something or just YouTube something. Yeah, when we were when we were younger, it was either you caught it on TV. Now the the VHS box was there, and every time but I you know what, by it, I don't think every single you know what I don't think that in the early days when we were kids, a VHS. I am betting that that was a, a rarity. I don't even, think every it, store you went to. If they, if, they, if they knew they had to have a James Bond, like, oh, this is one of the biggest film series, of course people are going to win it, read it. I bet you a lot of them were kind of like, and, he, and do we, do we, do we spend it? the money on uh, Her Majesty's Secret? Nah. Well, he's saying, and even if you walked by it, you go, who wants to see this? <laughs> Lazenby. Lazenby. Is- <laughs> and now, that said, I have said this to Miguel. On Her Majesty's Secret Service, by the way, with a with a budget of seven million dollars, made its money in box office at eighty two million dollars. It made its money ten That's ten times magnitude. over. That's yeah, incredible. Yeah. It's got a a, a a great cast: Dinah Rigg, Telly Savalas, right, and right? Lazenby as, as as you know doing his own thing as Bond. Yeah. Now and it's and Ed, we got to get I got to get this off my chest as a story. It's oh my such God. an impactful story for Bond. Like it is, it and would have been so good I'm putting, if Connery had stayed. You would have had that. that would have been a Connery role. It would have been so you would because you would have had as an audience. You would have had that emotional connection yes. to his version, and then what he goes through in this film because it's a big. Uh, Ed, you, you, you. So I will say this right now. Now, John, I, I, I'm assuming you've never seen this, right? It gives you, and I will say this is, I, this is on record. It is the best ending to a Bond movie that you will ever get. Because and here's it why. kicks you in the nuts. 007 gets married in this movie. And he decides, I'm going to give up all women and just marry Diana Rigg. Who, and Diana Rigg's character is... It's just, it's Diana Rigg. She's right. awesome. She's, she's beautiful. Great. She's as equal in every way. Right. And, now he, and here's what happens. Right right before the... Well, by, I, oh, by the way, the, the movie is over. I mean, we the got movie's to, over. The movie They ends. have done the plot. They have done all the mechanics, so everything... And you just they think... They drive away, just married, like, with the car, with the cans and, and you everything. And that that's going to be the ending. Someone drives by, shoots the wife, and he's and he's cradling and he the dead body. Her, and that's the end of the, the fucking movie. The end. That is wow. the ending. And this is the thing about it. Like, wow. because of that end, up until... I would say yes until until Dalton. Although I guess it also applies a little bit to Rosin, at least those first couple of movies. There was a very loose continuity with these films, but there was a continuity. You, it wasn't like oh, Lazenby became Bond, and all the history of that Bond is n- no more, and then Moore becomes Bond, and then he's a new. No, they were all supposed to be the same guy. They all same. And, and Dalton same does. James Bond. Yeah, and Dalton does actually say because his best friend is getting married in, in, in his in his, his movie, movies and Life is a Kill from '89. Oh, you know, like uh, and well, he, well, no, he's kind of melancholy because Felix Leiter's character is getting married, and then uh, Felix Leiter's uh, wife that uh, he just yeah, he just mm. married is like, well, what you know, why is he so sad about you know whatever this brought up? And he's like, well, he was married. It was a long time ago. Basically saying yes, Dalton's character yes. was the same guy from. Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Now, yeah, some of the yeah, some of the wha- some, some of the wackiness of what goes on here, right? While it's a great, <laughs> it's an impactful story for Bond because of this. The other part of the plot is, 
Telly Savalas, who plays Blofeld. Somehow, his his whole plan is basically... Uh, He's going to hold the world hostage mm-hmm. by releasing some sort of virus that is going to do something to food production. Now, how does he do how this? You, now, there are many ways you can go about this, John. How does he do this? You could go... You, well, has, uh, you Wait, no, no. Uh, you, you, could, you, could, uh, you could do the chemtrail thing. Why doesn't Blofeld uh, spread it around? Uh, you could do something with water or sewage. You could do... There are, there are so many ways... Blofeld's plan was what, Ed? Uh, brainwashing females. No, no. Brainwashing these, like, debutantes from around death. the world who have various whatever issues, <laughs> psychological issues, right? You know, like, I, I'm, aller- I get, I'm, a, I'm allergic to chicken. So, so he has this... Uh, now, what, what is this, this compound that, that he has? What it is, is it? Like, it's supposed to be... Uh, is it in the Swiss Alps? Is it Swiss Alps? It's like... He has like ski a, resort. It's a ski resort on the Matterhorn where right. he has brought all of these rich women who are trying to like like I'm losing weight. I want to stop smoking. Right. So no, they well. stay at his spa <laughs> in these ho- these beautiful hotel rooms and as they're asleep in bed you hear you hear Telly Savalas's voice come over like a recorder <laughs> going, and like I say, say one girl is like she, she I never like she's like oh I never like chicken and now I can I can eat all the chicken I want you and like it's just chicken a, you like chicken <laughs> used to hate chicken but now you love it <laughs> okay now John you're still going okay what does any of this have to do with the virus that's brought, gonna stop brought to you by Purdue yeah yeah what does any of this Tyson chicken what does any of this have to do. With, with Because he's going to brainwash these girls to deliver this virus or whatever uh, to the rest of the world. It's, it's so, like, that's the part where you go like, uh, what? <laughs> and then you have Lazenby himself as Bond in this movie. And it's not that Lazenby is a bad actor. <sighs> it's con- It's really, like... Is he... It, it's, it's comic booky. It's It's so... not. It's I, wacky. I, it's the plot is weird and wacky, um, and they and talking about you know this is the movie this is the Bond movie I think that most resembles an Austin Powers movie. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. Mickey no, 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 so Ed, Ed, I, no, 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 Ed. Think about like um, uh, think about the clothing. Well, yeah, I, he had the ruffles, right? He had yeah, the, the fat of that yeah. period is super in that film like third doctor who you know yeah ruffles, it is like right, it, yeah. and it's not just it's everyone it's not just bond and his undercover the girls are these wacky dresses it's like yeah it's very very swinging 60s um but it does have the uh you know uh skiing ski it, has all, it has all those big again it has right. the the action set pieces the travel log mm-hmm. aspect you know the fashion aspect um i will say this much ed you know what? I I can't at the at this moment just off the top of my head I can't think of any of the lyrics from the song. Gee, I don't even uh Right? Does does On Her Majesty's Secret Service have a, a song that's like On Her Majesty's Secret <laughs> Service? You know, um so it's this it's both it's a weird uh, a ra- composed arrangement conducted by John Barry. Um, has a, it? It's a say Barry felt it would be difficult to compose a theme unless it was written operatically in the style of Gilbert and Sullivan. What? 
Yeah. So, I mean, there are a lot of aspects to Honor Her Majesty's Secret Service that while there are good elements. Oh, Louis Armstrong. Remember? Really? A composer song called We Have All the Time in the World um, by really? lyrics by Burt Bacharach. Wait, back sung by Louis Armstrong. Really? Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. And, and I just, I just want to say that the, this that, is this is sixty. That, but the, the, those oh, are. This is talking about a movie like. A no, no, from sixty nine. So, so <laughs> what, 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 by, by, and by the way, of course, we have all the time in the world. That's what Bond says to Diana Riggs' character mm. right before she's shot. Wow. Okay. Very um, deep. And that's and that's the issue with this movie. It's like. It should be incredibly consequential for Bond, but because it was Lazenby and he was not necessarily... I don't think anyone ever hated George Lazenby in the part. I just think Connery's had set such a high level, and he wasn't... I don't think... I think maybe if Lazenby had stuck around for another movie, he would have become more comfortable. But that's one of the other issues I have with that film, is that he's a little stiff... As compared yeah, to yeah. to Connery, um, mm-hmm. that said, uh, once that was out of the way and they were like, "Okay, we're you know," you said sixty nine, yeah, and we're g- heading into the seventies. Ah, yes, sixty nine. Uh, yes, of course. Well, of course. Scaramanga. Yes, sixty nine. What a number! <laughs> and we get to more, more with more. Have we? Did we even go to commercial? <laughs> No, no, we're good. We're good. We don't have to. We don't have to. We don't have to. Don't have to. Uh, well, that's so, good. So, <laughs> Lazenby. I know, I know we're switching gears, but uh, was there a reason why uh, Sean Connery stopped? Um, he had had a back and forth over money with the producers. Mm. Um, well, well, wait. You wait, need no. to watch the last of his, one of his Bond movies and see, just look at him and just, and just. And just ask yourself, well, why why didn't he stop? Just <laughs> <laughs> look like a guy who cared anymore. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, also just age. It is an age thing. You know, it's like, well, Bond, I think Bond's got to be a guy in his prime. In his 30s. So you, he's got to be between, you know, and again, you know, he's a he's a, a, a ex-military secret agent guy. So he's got to be between 35 and 45. He's got to be well in, in good shape. You've got to buy him and that he blends into that world of the higher upper echelon. Um, Connery uh, had all these issues with the producer. And we're going to get into this one thing. Hold on. Okay. Like I said, money was part of it. There's an interesting little... Um, there's not enough women around here for me to slap. <laughs> uh, there's an interesting little side project that was around done around the same time that Connery was at the height of his Bond powers. And it's a little thing called, by two separate names, either OK Connery <laughs> or Operation Kid Brother. I want you, Ed, uh, John. Listen to me how weird this is. Someone put a crap ton of money, because that is a huge movie. Like, the, the budget on this film had to be huge. Had to be as We're big as... We're talking about 19, as, 1967, okay? It had to be as big as any of the Bond films were. It's a film called OK Connery, a.k.a. Operation Kid Brother, in which the star of the movie... Sean Connery's kid brother. Is Sean Connery's actual brother. Neil Connery. Neil Connery, who is a... In real life, was what is he? Was he a dentist or something? He was a... Uh, or a was carpenter? He, con- contractor, something like something that. Something like right. that. And based purely, 
that he's Sean Connery's brother. Someone said, let's do a movie in which we're gonna kind of... And it, the other part is, I don't know what this movie is. On some level, you could say, are they doing a parody where they're like, we're going to get, hey, it's going to be funny. We're going to get Sean Connery's brother to play and we're going to slyly nudge, nudge, wink, wink in the in the, the script. Say, ah, he's James Bond's brother. Ah, he's doing this thing. But it is exactly like a Bond <laughs> It is. The whole entire movie is on YouTube. Okay, just let, let, let is, everyone know. It is one of the most, <laughs> it's one of the best Joel uh, episodes of Mystery Science Theater 3000. They did a Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh, that's how I'm familiar I'm with just going to go really quick with it. Legendary British intelligence agent is murdered of, um, is murdered fellow agent Mac, uh, Miss Maxwell is sent to find late spy girlfriend Miss y- Yashuko who is unwilly p- no, no, uh, possession. Yeah, 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 don't even go through okay, the right. plot. It's, it's ridiculous. Neil, Dr. Neil Connery, <laughs> a cosmetic surgeon who uses hypnotism in his practice. Yeah, he's a he's a plastic surgeon who can hypnotize people? Basically, the money penny from from the movie. They get the is in they get the money penny from the M Bond films, and the M is in this. And the bad guy who was from Thunderball is in this. And it's all and it is wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Ah, ah, you're Sean Connery, James Bond's brother. When they're when they are uh, recruiting him, they're in the um, I guess the, the 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 surgical auditorium or whatever. And uh, and he's doing the plastic surgery. <laughs> and it's like, as you can see, as you I can. Oh, and by the way, oh, it's and on top of all, yes, <laughs> it's not Neil Connery's voice in the movie. It's For dumb. whatever reason, they dub him. Maybe he had an even thicker, like Scottish accent than Sean. Maybe that's what it was. But it's like, ah, uh, yes, as you can see, I will. I will. This insertion and this cut here. That is how he sounds, and it, whereas everyone else is not dubbed, so their interacting was like, "Is like, well, how did you find your flight? I found it very far." <laughs> and it's crazy seventies <laughs> spy thriller. What, like, we're talking about uh, the villain is projecting <laughs> movies onto like a girl's for back. no reason. He is like in his you know? underwear. And, and with and like, and like with a robe, smoking a cigar, <laughs> and there's just a girl lying on the bed Wait. where there's a movie being projected on her back. <laughs> it is one of the weirdest offshoots of of James Bond ever. <laughs> switching switching gears completely fine, and we'll get into more. So, um, the more era comes after Lazenby, and you know we're heading into the seventies. And into and, the eighties. And what is hip? What is cool? What is suave? I'll tell you what's That's hip. That's all changing, ladies and gentlemen. I'll tell you what's hip. Microchips, <laughs> computer chips. What we're gonna do is we're gonna attack Silicon Valley. Oh, don't. Okay, I'll put a pin in that because you know I'm gonna go off on that. Anyway, so um, more comes in, and more had been uh, one of his biggest roles was a. Um, was a show called The Saint, which I don't know if you've ever heard of The Saint. Uh, the Saint was an English show. It was also uh, shown here in, in the U.S. And The Saint was a, a character also from the book, also from books, called Simon Templar. And basically, he has a similar time frame origin as Bond, uh, slightly different. Simon Templar is called The Saint, and he's supposed to be like a criminal who works for good people. Or he does good things now, and, you know, he takes care of criminal. 
And every episode, Simon Templar would be traveling around the world, you know, and then he looks at the camera and talks to the audience like, and it's Roger Moore in all of his... <sighs> Roger Moore is so much more affable as a persona than Connery. So he could do that break the fourth wall. And it was like, well, hello there. As you can see, here I am in Italy today. And I'm doing... And then someone, as he's talking to the audience, someone would say something like, who is that man over there? Why, that's the famous Simon Templar. As he does. The saint. And, then the, and right. then the halo would appear. And this was a rather big show. It was a big hit. And it was like this bond for TV. So when it came time to like, okay, we, you know, we're getting rid of Lazmi, we're, you know, we want a new younger Bond or a, 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 a more modernized Bond. They chose him. Uh, the first film is, uh, is, uh, Live and, is, let die. is Live and Let Die, which of course, Paul McCartney. Voodoo's, uh, voodoo, yapicado, heroin, drug, heroin, uh, uh, what's black exploitation? Uh, black. It's because it's Sheriff definitely Pepper. <laughs> uh, Sheriff Pepper who would cut and uh, Jane Seymour and Jane Seymour. Jane Seymour. All right. So now it's like okay. Here's an interesting fact: is that in Goldfinger, uh, the woman that Goldfinger kills with the gold dust, right in the beginning of that movie, Pussy Galore. Uh, not Pussy Galore. Gold, oh no, no. Uh, the, the, okay. He kills when right. she's all covered in gold, right? Bond, she's working for Goldfinger. Bond romances her, and in one scene, basically, uh, he he, you know, Bond and all this weird snobbiness about alcohol and all the rest of that stuff, all the consumer porn that was part of Bond, where she's like, uh, oh, there's a he's going to the he's going to the refrigerator to get another bottle of champagne. And she, oh, this is a Coca Cola. Well, well, no, he goes, he says. She says, uh, he says, oh, my dear, you never drink a Dom Perignon 53 below whatever degree centigrade. Um, it would be like listening to the Beatles without earmuffs. Sean Connery says that when the Beatles were at the, I, he was like laying the hammer down. James Bond does not like the Beatles. <laughs> Fast forward to uh, Roger Moore as Bond. And now Paul McCartney is, is. doing... Chasing right, right. trends. Yeah. Chasing trends is what. And you know. Well, well, talking about chasing chasing trend because it's a, it's Roger. It's 007 within a black exploitation type of movie. Right. With black exploitation type of characters. Right. With that, right. You know. Only with a Bond level budget. You know what I and mean. And sharks. Oh, alligators. Oh, alligators. I'm sorry. Alligators. 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 Yeah, which, which is. <laughs> The be like as much as there were uh, Connery is less affable, and those stories were a little more serious. Even though, he, even though, like I said, Connery is the king of the quips. But we get to more nudge, nudge, wink, wink is way more what nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Way more um, uh, uh, uh. while while more still kills a lot of people. He also do you don't get that dangerousness sense of him. It's not the same thing. Although there are some scenes where Bond is threatening. It's just... But do you think that it's also uh, symptomatic of... Because we're going into the 80s, right? The Reagan 80s. Um, and America becomes more, you know, arguably more puritanical, right? You know? And we have to temper some of these things. Moore didn't really temper that the sex stuff until almost he was out of the role. Because mm -hmm. if you look at the one with What's-Her-Face uh, from, uh, from Beastmaster... Uh, Tanya Roberts. Tanya Roberts, yeah, uh, uh, A View to a Kill, which again, pin in that, we gotta wait. 
Um, he is almost like I don't even. I'm trying to remember if he even has sex with that character until the end of the mill. From the Beastmaster, oh, yes. From Tiny. the Beastmaster, yeah. yes, like, yes. Sex with Beastmaster. Hey, Mark Singer's a good-looking yeah. guy, man. You know, I bump. remember that show coming on after Xena. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so, Moore is more affable and is easier to get into the goofy stuff. And by God, do they really start injecting? You said uh, but, but, yeah, but Sheriff like, Pepper from Live and Let Die. Yeah, that's camp. That is high camp, and and they bring him back for another movie. Moore is the Bond who, like, John, they use a slide whistle sound effect for a stunt. Oh, come on. And now it's a great, and that's the thing. It's an amazing (laughs) stunt. It is, it is a, it is, there's the, basically, there's a bridge where, like, one side is like this, you see, and one side is like this, right? So the car has got to do an in the middle of the air turnaround like this. On its access. And so it's, it's got to be... Here are the wheels, so it's something like... Something out of a Burt Reynolds-like movie, right? And it does it. It's an amazing stunt. But then it had literally has a... And a lot of people point to that is when it's like, oh, Bond got way too goofy. And that is sort of like... And the, the issue becomes Bond was getting more popular. Like, it's not that Moore's and, movies were flops... This material was making it more like so. We get to well, look, look, look. in eighty one. Maybe, maybe it's getting more family friendly. Is that why? I, don't know. In, uh, in, you in, know what? Well, they well, were well, big four but, quadrant movies. Well, in eighty one, uh, for your eyes only. I think that's uh, the height of Roger Moore's 007 powers. Guess what? Another movie by the name of Cannonball Run was also released, <laughs> right? Where he plays a parody of of of, of himself. You know, uh, where it's like, well, I am. Uh, I am He's Roger supposed Moore. to be a Jewish, like a, a Jewish, a Jewish, car, <laughs> a Jewish car dealer or something, <laughs> who pretends to be Roger Moore and thinks he really is James Bond, Roger Moore, like very, very <laughs> being played by Roger Moore in this movie, which is something um, that I don't think Connery could do. Like I said, yeah, the affability yeah, yeah, yeah. of Moore really comes through. The films get. Um, goofier wilder less there's a lot less on character um the villains become more caricature and because of that I, I feel this is the this is the nail in the coffin for his run right is you, you, you for kids maybe for someone like my dad maybe but then when you're watching moonraker and it's like I'm Jaws to, and his girlfriend with the braces. I, I mean, you're I'm, I'm supposed to consider right. these this as a serious genre, especially if if I'm watching this in my adult life. And it's hard to yeah, it's hard it's to get hard. Draw, it's, it's it's and it's hard to even for some of them to even shut your brain off and just like I'm just gonna enjoy it as a goofy romp. That said, I think culturally it has such an impact, especially with the music, right? The music is very much again, yeah, right? you know, for your you, eyes only, for your eyes only, a view to a kill, a view to a kill, Durant, and you know, nobody they, does it better. better. Yeah, you know? these are Baby, you know, you're the best, right? It, the, like you were saying, John, they were become. It was the four quadrantiness of it 
it made it that they were they were still making money hand over fist. So it went from like cold blooded hitman spy espionage to like you know yeah. Jackie Chan uh, it's, I spy. You know, it's yeah it, it it did and yeah. that's when you start getting spy movies in general. Like you said, the influence Ooh. it had where it's like a lot of spy like uh, you would get things like Matt Helm or Arman Flint, which were were takeoffs on Bond. You know, just as Secret Agent Man, uh, you know, yada, yada. But I don't know. You and I, more is, more is really the bond you and I grew up with. Really? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, but and, but and here's the thing. Uh, I didn't get to really watch movies until Moonraker was out, right? Meanwhile, like, I missed a lot. Of, my childhood missed Man with the Golden Gun. Right. Right. Yeah. Which I think is one of the stronger ones. I, you know, I these. know that there are people, for me... I think that I like uh, a For Your Eyes Only Mm -hmm. and Man with a Golden Gun Um, out of out of all of his. They're the ones that have the more meat, the most like. And I wanted to like Octopussy. I wanted to like. Well, you you want to like you want to like Maude Adams. (laughs) Why? That's my little Octopussy. What the fuck? You're. The, the, John, her father named her Octopussy. What the hell? <laughs> That's a dad that didn't like her daughter. There's a there's a villain compound and 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 it's and it gets raided and assaulted by femme fatales in in masks yes. and rifles. They parachute in and then whatever they're wearing. <laughs> do you remember what they're wearing, Michael? Uh, Miguel, do you remember what they were wearing? Is it like is it like a I want to say like a kind of like a Bollywood deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Louis Louis Jordan's like yeah, it's uh it's something like, you know, like Halston and decided then, and then, to okay, do it. And yeah. then now now we really hit it the, the the sort of like the weirdness that was Moore's last movie which was View to a Kill. Now that has got a great, it's got a great title sequence. Duran Duran, that song is undeniable. That song is fire. Dance into the fire. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Because that's. Because that's, there's a. Go, go, God. They use that, they use that refrain how many goddamn times in that movie? Um, More at this point is too old. I think he had like like he should have stopped two films before. Well, I'm glad it was Blimps. Yes, <laughs> yes. because Blimps, Miguel. Yeah, Blimps. blimps. Um, we've got John. All right, Nazi subplots. Are, you know who? Um, you know who Grace Jones is, right? <laughs> oh my God! All right, you know who Grace Jones is. <laughs> well, no, no, not Tom Jones. Not Grace Tom Jones. Jones. Oh. oh, Grace, Grace Jones. <laughs> Grace Jones, black uh, model singer. You know, icon. I icon. Um, on so you know, she was that short haircut and everything, and she. Ed will Ed will battle me on this. <laughs> she had a she has a sexual allure, but it's not mainstream sexual allure. No, it's not. And so that was a little controversial at the time for it. Uh, and then there's the bad guy. She's just the henchwoman. The bad guy in this movie, uh, John, <laughs> is Christopher Walken. He plays Max Zorn, <laughs> whose plan is to continue to pump water into Silicon Valley. Silicon. He's going to cause an earthquake that will destroy Silicon Valley so he can 
corner the market on the microchips. On silicon microchips. Now, of course... Sounds like that's happening now. No, well, no. Well, no, here's the problem. In real life. John, John, here's the thing. But with um, fire instead of water. John, John, no, no, John. Um, We can wipe the f- actual physical Silicon Valley <laughs> off the map, John. I mean, I do it however you want. Nuke it, have it in, you know, set it on fire, uh, earthquake, whatever you're going to do. Destroying Silicon Valley in no way, shape, or form affects the production of silicon chips. <laughs> because um, silicon chips are literally made of fucking sand. <laughs> Max Soren could not get rid of all the sand in the world. <laughs> but because the and you said this is well, this is nineteen eighty seven, right? You said it's eighty seven. Uh, 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 I think it's eighty seven. So it's like. The truth is, at that, no one, we didn't have any um, literacy about 85, computers. 85. 85, okay. <laughs> we didn't have any literacy about computers. We so in the movie, they're saying, like, you know, it was like Silicon Valley, Silicon Chips. They just thought people would be like, okay. And, and of course, and he's doing this all via the cutting edge technology of Zeppelins. On Zeppelins. <laughs> it's like saying, you know, like, I'm going to take out all of Texas right. to get rid of Texas Instruments. <laughs> yes exactly it's like i think there's a boss i we we need to have a talk there i i there's some information you might be lacking now now uh there is a, a nazi subplot to this right because oh because- god yeah <laughs> well um, no not nazi was it nazi but was it that the kgb had continued to do stuff the nazis were doing something like that or so so it's like he he, he was he he's was- the product of like some kind of like KGB master program. race gen- genetic engineering, and they intimate that that we lost like, control of him. Th- well, also that the Grace Jones character—I don't know if she was a prot, but that she definitely the drugs or things that they had like yeah. developed. Because he's <laughs> reveal, like, reveal, Mayday takes a guy and, and just, just lifts, does like, a clean and jerk Mayday take care of him, and then <laughs> she she tosses the guy up like like <laughs> you know like. She-Hulk style oh, and yeah. throws him it's, across. It's, uh, it's and then you realize, oh, she's the recipient of of whatever super, super soldier, soldier serum. Soldier. Now, that said, <laughs> this is my favorite part of it, right? Because, John, uh, Grace Jones slash Mayday, all right? This exotic-looking, you know, uh, uh, African Nubian model, whatever, uh, is a- turns on his master. Right, turns, turns on, on Christopher Walken because because uh, um, the the Zeppelin is just leaving. He's her, gonna leave her to die, or, or leave her to die. Right? And then they're in this tunnel, and then they have those. What, what do you call those? Those hand, those, uh, those train, hand, those train hand carts where you would do the whole thing where you would have. Right. So she's so, operating one of those by herself. Right. You know you so, gotta have one person on one side. So she's got there's a bomb on to, it, and she's just like they have to stop a bomb, right? So. Uh, 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 Roger Moore and um, Tiny, Tiny Robbins. Tiny Robbins. They, she's, they stay behind. They're, and she's... they're escaping, and then and then and then Mayday's telling them, "No, you go. I got this." And then, no, Mayday. <laughs> You're like she. She basically and like walking is looking straight at her. Dies. His blip takes the th- takes the bomb right straight into the mountain. All right. right? And and uh, <laughs> you know, and she saves the day. Really, you know. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a. And then and then walking goes. Well, you know, Mayday dies. Okay, now let's get straight into. We gotta go fly straight to into the Golden, into Gate, the Golden Bridge. Gate Bridge. Golden Gate Bridge. That's what we gotta do. 
which, which by the way, you again, you watch that movie and, um, <laughs> like it's a travelogue for San Francisco, right? And the Golden Age Bridge was like huge in the advertising, but that's the only part you time you see the Golden Age Bridge in the movie. It doesn't. Moore's Moore's tenure does not end well. I don't think and. I think in retrospect, like, I used to really, I, I feel this, you know what, this is going to be an odd tangent, but I kind of feel the same way about a lot of Moore's movies, the way I used to do for Police Academy, the first film, which was, I always said, I was always the guy that would be like, all the Police Academy movies are crap, they're, they're, they're stupid comedies, but the first one is actually decent, right? And about five or six years ago... Uh, I re, I re well, no, we, we did it for our 1984. I rewatched it for the 1984 show and I came away going like, how did I ever think that this was fun? And like we, <laughs> my family loved that movie when it first came out, watch it all the time. But then like, yeah, it got, so I kind of feel the same. I used to really go to bat for, for Moore's films because I grew up with them and they, you know, that, that was the bond we had. I always said I preferred Connery, but I never would be shitting on something yeah. even like a view to a killer octopusy, but now no. You, you want to travel not... log? You want to travel log? How, how about Rio de Janeiro to outer space? Top of that. <laughs> and Moonraker. I mean, that's you want to travel log? That's a travel well. Log. Uh, 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 that the evolution of a character like Jaws is a is the best example of what was going on in those more films. There's a character. There's a uh, there's a character actor called Richard Keel. You probably have seen him. If you saw him, you'd know he is. And he plays this character called Jaws, who has these big metal teeth, right? And that's like one of his way of killing people. He's a hitman character. He's like, he's this. Uh... So Bomb faces him in one movie. Okay, fine. You had a cool, you know. Suddenly Jaws is coming back because everyone like, oh, he's such a scary. But they had to Vegeta him up, and you know what that means, right? You. Like, you know what that means. I've ascended past the Super Saiyan. Well, well, you know, the source, like, oh, you're the huge, you're this huge, threatening figure, but now we got, or, or what they do at Wolverine. You're huge and threatening, I'm but... I'm a good guy now. Yeah. So, suddenly, this, like, killer with titanium teeth becomes Bond's ally and gets a girlfriend with braces and, like... That is that sums up a lot of what the like the more. While there are some definitely some good moments and some good movies. That's, that's Richard Keel. That's Dutch Jaws. You know, you But he turns on his master because because the villain in, in Moonraker who who basically is trying to create this arc, right? In our I'm space. going to destroy the world and then I have a remnant of humanity right. in a satellite. And so they look like so Jaws is this freak of nature. And he's got this like little tiny, cute little little like, girlfriend, and they look at each other like we're not smile. we're not like them. We're not perfect. Like what's that's he gonna, thing. What's he's he going, gonna do to us? Oh, because yeah, she oh, she opens her mouth and she sees the braces, and you're like, oh, she's got imperfections. So Jaws, they won't be allowed so, to live. So so <laughs> Bond has a talks like on, on on the mic like like Jaws. You know what he's going to do to you. <laughs> you have to turn on him. You have so, to. This so is why words, you must help us out. You don't you, you you don't want any harm to, to So come in other to words, her. Roger Moore's Bond like to subcontract out the heroism. <laughs> it's it's its own thing, but it also has all of the, the it has legs in the wider culture because I don't think you get uh, I don't think you get an Austin Powers without Moore's tenure. You don't get a lot of the parody stuff that comes with it. So uh, on that you give it end. 
like I said, I would still go to bat for Your Eyes Only, uh, The Man with the Golden Gun, and even Live and Let Die, uh, uh, without a doubt, yeah. But I just made an executive decision here, and uh, coming back, we're not going to cover Craig. We're going to cover Craig. Uh, this is a mistake on my part. We're going to cover Craig when we uh, do No Time to Die. I think that's good because we will do the review, and then we'll also do uh, a rundown of his movies. Now... Moving on to the next one is Timothy Dalton. The short-lived uh, uh, Baron... What was his name? Prince Baron. Prince Baron. Yeah, <laughs> Prince Baron. Uh, Timothy Dalton gets gets the role of Bond after uh, Roger Moore, and his first film is The Living Daylights from 88, right? Mm-hmm, yeah, from 88. Now... Uh, he's he's a, uh, a darker, more aggressive... Well, they were... More... This, this also starts to set up that dynamic that... It was like okay, Connery sets the tone. It's I only it's, it's grittier. It's Bond is much more dangerous. More brings in all these goofy. Also elements. trying to I think um, like you say, uh, chasing trends, trying to answer to the Rambo's and the, the yeah uh, of of its time, right? You know, it's like what what's going on with the action movie? Are mm-hmm. is the audience looking for? Hal Needham stunts with slide whistles, yeah. or, or are they looking for something? Or else? Are they going to fight with the Mujahideen in in, in right, Afghanistan? Right. Or, right, you, or know? you know, again, we're going to be like, oh, Bond was known for these very big, you know, action set pieces. We've kind of moved away from that. Um, you know, one of the interesting things, of course, is that Bond films have a lot of chases, which means a lot of vehicle stuff, right? Bond is always in a helicopter or in a sports car or skiing. Whereas, like you said, what was going on in the action films of the 80s, it's guns and 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 hard-hitting, you know, fight sequences and things like that. So I And, and it gets kind of like weird because while in the box office, budget $40 million, it makes one one ninety one point two million Living Daylights, right? right. Yeah. That is a certifiable hit, and yet it's still considered like his run on it is still considered anemic. A, yeah, yeah, that it wasn't quite know. as what what it is. And that first film was Living Daylights is kind of dull. I think Dalton is good. Like that opening sequence of Living Daylights, uh, where they it's the double O's do, doing that uh, with supposed what is supposed to be like a test. Uh, like a training mission, and then it turns real. Mm-hmm. That's an amazing. That's a great. Yeah, action I mean, you sequ- you you considered the, the 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 dark aspect of it, and you, and you appreciate it. However, listen, they got this weird KGB agent, yeah, who's sort of kind of really dull. Uh, John Reese Davies. Opa- it's an opaque plot. It's it's mm. a, with a lot of which is with a lot of Bond films where you're kind of like, if I really pay attention to what's going on. I still don't kind of know or care what and, what's... and the tropes are there, like you know, like they're doing the avalanche chase on a we've cello got, case. Yeah, we've got we've got the skiing you know, and the, the sports skiing. cars and the stuff like that. But this is also the Bond film, and I think this is something we definitely have to talk about with Dalton um, for his two movies. That's sort of the first Bond films being done in an era where we are really taking uh, the fallout of the sexual revolution. Into AIDS. Coming. AIDS suddenly becomes a thing that, you know, Hollywood movies are kind of grappling with. They don't know what to do. They don't know if they should be or how mm-hmm. they can promote safe, safe sex or how that can work. Into, like, uh, what, an interesting sort of contemporary movie 
of of the time that uh, uh and do you remember the Dragnet movie with Dan Aykroyd and Tom Hanks? Uh yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> one of the scenes in that movie, uh, 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 I'm trying to remember what uh, uh, Hanks's character's name was. I want to say it was Switech. Aykroyd was Friday. He was Friday, but he was sp- Spellcheck, Spatcheck, Spatcheck, whatever the character's uh, Tom Hanks's character's name was. There's a scene in the movie where he's in bed with a girl. Uh, she starts cuddling up to him like, like really, like, like uh, let's get something going on here. He reaches over to you know uh, the the tabletop next to the bed. He looks into a box. It's a box of condoms, and he sees he doesn't have any. And then he's like, "Ah, we can't do anything." And it's like a weird. It's you can tell they they yeah, put that they're, in there. They're for walking a on egg. They're really walking on eggshells. And, right. and they don't know. Like it's like, how do we mm-hmm. deal? What are we doing? If you watch the Living Daylights with Dalton, it's another one of those like Bond doesn't sleep with that girl. Until the end of the movie, <laughs> right? Um, and, uh, it, I can't ever say that Living Daylights is a great movie, but it's not a it's not a terrible movie. It's just very unfocused. All of that out there, I think you and I both agree. Dalton kind of kills it in the park. It's been like said he that- was not well served necessarily by those scripts, but he's good it, it, it does it does some say that maybe a little too stoic you know or or just um he's just not he, comfortable he, in the role he until seems a little drier a little drier and, but the but i also that's a question of the script because if you look at license to kill mm-hmm. i think license to kill is a much oh yeah much yeah, yeah. better movie yeah. than delivering if only because on the script level you you're getting something compelling it, it, we're making something personal for Bond. We and that's another thing that I think we don't get uh, that Dalton gets the credit for, which is. And Dalton was a for by he was a first choice with a lot of uh, 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 some of the projects before yes. his run, right? Like right he was yeah, a they, first choice, but well, he could. The people there, people were like, "Well, what would have an Octopussy film or a Living Daylights been had they like? Okay, we're shifting gears. Mm-hmm. We've gotten rid of more." And can we tailor this script more towards this new performer? Dalton's Bond is somewhat almost in the proto what they were doing with Craig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because it's like, oh, we get to license, like, again, especially mm-hmm. License to Kill, where it's like, oh, this Felix Leiter character that everyone knows is mm-hmm. part of the Bond franchise. We're going to do something where we're going to take him off the table. He's going to get married, but then the wife is going to get killed, mm-hmm. and then he's going to lose his leg. Like, Felix... Felix loses his legs to sharks <laughs> in that movie, for God's sakes. And, you know, we, by then, also, Bernard Lee uh, had passed, so he was no longer playing M, right? Yeah. Uh, so they brought in a, 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 another admiral, an English admiral, who had been in uh, the previous Bond movies with Bernard Lee as sort of a supporting role, who is now sort of Bond's, you know, uh, superior... So suddenly we're getting this idea, you know, oh, maybe we can do, who knows if they had done a third Dalton movie, what say that what happened to Felix would have played into it, what his, his getting the license revoked, all those, of course, his run is cut short. I will because, say because, because of the, the, like, I think while they would have wanted him to continue on, I think because of production studio issues five years had passed and yeah he's like, I, I, I did by then i didn't want to do it he anymore. didn't want to do it anymore i think <laughs> time said yeah but it is it is it's always one of those great what ifs 
Well, it's also interesting because, you know, while we get into Pierce Brosnan, he was also a first choice too. Right. For many years, but he couldn't because of Remington Steel. Remington Steel assembly. So Bond at the you know, at the end of License to Kill um is in this place because I remember License to Kill being very well received. Who Patty LaBelle doing the song, right? I even remember License to Kill doing well. Right, yeah. It was, you know, it, as I would say when you were growing up, that would be a Bond film in heavy rotation and syndication. Yes. Um, now you're starting to talk about the movies I remember growing up Growing with. up, growing up with, yeah. And that's an 89, License to Kill. Right. Uh, dude, <clears throat> I, like I said, uh, I think License to Kill was up there in the summer with Batman, with Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. Mm. But, like oh, you said... Tim Burton's ha- uh, Batman came out in 89? Yeah. Yeah. So, so it was like <clears throat> that same song. Now that's stiff competition too, and it had and uh, this is the thing it 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 carved out enough of a niche. Mm-hmm. But like you said, the delays in the next film, Dalton is getting older, and I do think that they were finally being those two Dalton films. As much as there's some stuff that they're trying to modernize it, they it fully gets its. I don't I, that feels like almost the it's still the tail end of more the mindset the sort of how are we making these movies. You get to Pierce Brosnan, and they are rethinking Bond really for the 90s. Like, okay, what do we got to do to make this resonate today? Grunge rock. Technology, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Well, we just got to, everything's got to be updated. Everything, you know, it's just a pop music. We got to, it's like, oh. uh, Give him a mirror, give him a mirror evil. uh, A mirror evil of himself, right? Right. Uh, Give him a a female superior. Give him, yeah, you know what? Let's well, look, look. and and that's and that's very telling because one of the first lines that Judy Dench says to him is like, you know, I'm going to be frank with you. You I know, think you're a misogynist you're a, dinosaur. You're from the a Cold misogynist War. dinosaur from the Cold War. Modernity is finally caught up with 007. At that and point. Brosnan, oh, my God, he's that, perfect. He like is, the way we say. Henry Cavill is per, is, is, is the a perfect, perfect pitch. idealized su- like look at Superman. He is because he, he's a heartthrob too. A lot of the ladies were really. Let me let me just out. tell you this much. My mom would pick a Dilly his surgery. No problem. <laughs> I say that as a joke because uh, Brosnan actually was a uh, a cab driver as a struggling actor, and there are pictures of him you can see online. Oh my God, Ed, he's got a huge white guy fro. And he's driving a I like it, and my but my mom said was like, I'd pick a dilly his circus no problem. Let me tell you, <laughs> Pierce Brosnan, um, and I, I'm I'm drift I'm really kind of tangent ten tangenting off here. Uh, something I saw recently, I think during in, in COVID times was uh, Eurovision, the uh, the the movie with uh, oh with yes, Will Ferrell. yes so, he plays okay. Will Ferrell's uh, Icelandic or whatever father. Uh, well. Uh, you know, un- like just uncharacteristically, like you know, just oddly good-looking father. You know? <laughs> yes, yes. Even at that, even this, uh, you look at him; he's still a good, damn good, damn good-looking man. Very distinguished right. man, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, you have this visually pitch-perfect, right? Who had been denied? Who had then had the behind-the-scenes story of we all wanted him to be Bond, he couldn't do it because NBC decided to be assholes, and now he is getting the shot. And what are we, you know, what is what is a Bond in the year 1995 supposed to be? Um, where we've finally gone through all the 80s and 90s action films, so we kind of know what the audience was. We know what these set pieces, but we also know they wanted to be a James Bond film through and through. 
And, you know, um, uh, the director of uh, uh, GoldenEye was um, uh, Campbell, who eventually got tapped years later to also do the Craig reboot. Um, so twice this guy was asked to break me through it. Martin Campbell's asked to come in and be like, can you save James Bond? And he did it with Goldeneye. Now, Goldeneye is still pretty big. It's let, still crazy. Let, it's yeah, a crazy but, plot. But let's just let's just be honest here. I mean, and John brought it up. It's like if if not were for the the magnanimity of of the video game, Goldeneye wouldn't exactly be Goldeneye. I think the video game had such a cultural I, impact. I think really. the video. While I, I disagree, I think the video game is huge on its own. Absolutely. Um, uh, it's one of those all-time great, you know, modern games. I the film also brought Bond back in a big way. The film was I you wouldn't let me put it this way. I don't think that I don't think the game gets made unless they make a good Bond. And that's uh, yeah, and I I agree with that. It's just the and it the, is a good there's Bond. a lot of really good stuff with Goldeneye. There's a lot of good stuff. I think uh, personally, at the end of the day, when it's all said and done. It's the only one of those damn of, of his movies that I like. Yeah. I However. want to like those other movies. But because he, he's got this one great Bond movie in Golden. Smile never knows? No, Bond movie. Oh no, and any of them. Name any of the plots that are going on in any of the Brazen films. And they, it's like they started out with, oh, this is very much more in the Connery mold. And then they just went out all out more for all of the other ones. It is wacky and strange. What you know? What they should have done is is keep Sean Bean alive and oh, have him have God, him go, go on for another day. You know, you want you want to die another day? He should have died another. If day. you could, if you could have, like, he was that idea of Bond facing off someone who is his, his equal, exact equal. Right. So now that's why the movie resonates. He's a double of six. He comes he comes before Bond. If you think about it, right? You know. Um, and yet they felt the need to, to to inject the the weird Alan Cummings stuff, or even the fact that I forget the name of the girl who's the the computer engineer. This gorgeous. And that, that, I'm, I'm not saying yeah, not, that not, beautiful not women can't be yeah. computer engineers, but I'm like, it's something just wasn't oh, no, realistic. Oh no, 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 no! Forget about that. Golden Eye is not the worst offender of that. She, that girl is not bad. You, she, yeah, you, you know, you go back her. to Christmas, uh, Doctor Christmas, whatever. Denise Richards <laughs> as a fucking nuclear scientist, no. No, that was fine. Just no. I mean, um, you know, it has Famke Jansen as a Zinnia on a top, top, which uh, come for, on, man. Except for what it, for for what it's worth, it it was her performance was pretty good in it. You know. Oh no, she's. I think she's one of the great Bond villains. Mm -hmm. I think that that is uh, uh, while um, as great as Sean. B I think that the villains in that helped to make that movie. You've got the Tina Turner. Um, Song. Gelden Nye. <laughs> uh, I mean, and and it just it is it is perfect for its time. And afterwards, I don't know what I they they were just like, let's just make let's just make more movies. Let's just make them just like the more. So we're, we we end dies. with a, we uh, come on. We end with a, his last movie is Die another day. The last movie has him and Halle Berry fighting in uh an invisible BMW sports car on like. A glacier. Uh, the bad guy is a North Korean who had plastic surgery to make him look white. It is. 
Yeah, it, it, I don't know what the hell they were thinking. I with gotta anybody. watch that movie. <laughs> yeah, it, just, it also sounds like a movie you gotta watch high. It too. it is. <laughs> um, well, and, well, uh, uh, Rick Uni, the actor, he, um, Rick Uni, he plays um, uh, a North Korean operative, Zhao, right? So he's got these diamonds that are just like embedded, embedded in, in his, his face. face. And if you if you've never seen this movie, John, so basically he's he's locked. He's basically tied up. Um, in shackles on an air on, a, on an airplane, and he uses his face to just cut the window to cause depressurization. depressurization. That's how he gets out. Okay, all right. Now, <laughs> this is the only good thing I will say about that movie, which is when you watch that Bond film and how it begins. It starts off like any other Bond movie with, you know, Bond is in the middle of a mission and he has a close call, but, uh, you know, he escapes, right? That's almost every single Bond movie. This was the one film where they screwed that up and that was good, where it was Bond doesn't get away. The beginning of the movie is basically Bond's on a mission and he gets captured by the North Koreans and he spends what, something like a year in their prisons. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the beginning of the movie <laughs> is like... and. When I saw that in the theater, I was like, this is great. This could really go. Because, like, they make no bones about, like, what happened to Bond when he was in that North Korean prison? They tortured the that's shit his, out of him. That's his uh, season three Jack Bauer moment. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's totally Jack Bauer when he was taken. So, like, okay, this is like the first 10, 15 minutes of this movie. You're like, where is this going to go? I've never seen this in a Bond movie. And then they just forget about it. They literally just like, no, didn't have any effect on him. He just turned, right? He literally gets out of, and like, oh, no, I take a shave. I shaved off the beard and I'm back to the job. No effect on his psyche. No, nothing. It's like, oh, it's going to be this. And that's the, that's such the, the huge missed opportunity with, with Brosnan in the role. Um, um, by the way, with Tomorrow Never Dies, um, the, uh, obviously the, uh, as many would say that the, the, the uh, this the the shining thing about the shining moment with this movie is Michelle Yeoh. I mean, I think they liked her almost enough that they almost gave her her own spinoff. Yeah, and that's what's funny about the also about the Brazen era. I think after GoldenEye, that was the rumor for every single Bond movie that there would be a spinoff. Oh, we're gonna have a female spinoff. Mm. Like you said, Michelle Yeoh, Halle Berry was gonna get one. Uh, you know, I don't know if Denise Richards or Terry Hatcher. Yes, Ed, remember, the other car- the other girl in the Denise Richards movie is Terry effing Hatcher. Um, she came and died. She, yeah, basically. Um, it's like Rupert Murdoch uh, had married, had this beautiful wife who had a thing with Bond at some point, and she just dies. And then she dies. <laughs> and then Michelle goes there. And then Michelle goes there. Uh, or no, or Denise, whichever. It's, I, I like Brosnan so much as a performer. Um, if anyone wants to look up his personal life, the, the guys lived through a lot of tragedies and a lot of, a lot of stuff. Um, Pierce Brosnan? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, like, well, like, he's also lived like some really great, married a beautiful wife and is still married to, Kaylee, uh, to her. Kaylee Shea Smith, yeah. Uh, his son is a model oh, oh, today, wait, well, Hold on, wait a second, Ed. Of course, for you and me, what, what's the Kaylee Shea Smith uh, connection there? Uh, Brosnan's wife. She was the one who started taking up the slack on uh, Unsolved Mysteries when Robert Stack was getting older. 
What? Really? Oh yeah, yeah. That was how. That's how. That as that a host. Was, yes, she oh, was. Wow. One of the, she was. It was like Robert Sack had done it for so many years. Remember, right. and then by the time the '90s had rolled around, I think either he was getting too old, and they started sort. Suddenly, it was just like now it'd be like, and now Kaylee, Kaylee will do the update on this story, <laughs> and she was like, she's like, thanks, Robert, and she would be a presenter for yeah, 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 yeah. And now uh, here's the thing that I I think, and I'm surprised that you didn't know, like, because we've had this conversation before. Uh, one of her f- first appearances is on a, a, a Huey Lewis video. You're, yes, the, the yeah. one, it's the one. It's the I yes, know. it's true. Yes, it's, it's true. true. I am I'm happy to be stuck with you, and and she's on the island yes, with Huey Lewis. So, but whatever the case is, uh, well, Pierce Brosnan, uh, we we know he's gonna uh, he's gonna return as, as uh, Doctor Fate, Fate, Nabu the Wise. So in the Black Adam movie. Um, yeah, he's done well. It's just it is a it is kind of a shame. And th- while I said that we were going to, uh, th- you know, we're going to wrap this up soon because we've uh, come to the end of our bonds before Craig. I have to say this about the Craig movies, because you're talking right now. I have seen No Time to Die. Uh, John hasn't seen it, and Ned hasn't seen it yet. I adored Casino Royale. Um, that sort of told you they laid their chip down there of what this new bond with Craig was going to be. And the first thing it was going to be was going to be very grounded, or at least as grounded as a Bond film could be. And compared, and honestly, compared to almost everything that went before, there are, there are very few things in... This latest one has a, a, a storyline where I will go like... And it's a saga. It is a saga. It's a saga. You're right. going to follow this character from one movie to the next. From the beginning to the end. I kind of like... Here's the problem. I feel after having seen No Time to Die that a lot of the issues that Brosnan had were carried over. That they had just like... And the guy, same the guy who directed Casino Royale is the same guy who directed GoldenEye. So you have a strong um, foundation to build upon, right? And then the follow-ups were squandered. You know, I, for my opinion at this point, I think that Casino Royale is an amazing movie and it's a great... Skyfall is... Oh, God, Skyfall is is, deconstruction. A, is an amazing deconstruction. And it's just an amazing movie in itself. The problem is, is that you know, you've got sandwich in between Casino Royale and Skyfall. You've got Quantum of Solace, which is a well, mess. you know. <laughs> um, and then you've got Spectre, which... Spectre? Spectre. 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 <laughs> you've got Spectre, which also is very lackluster though that the audience I don't think really grok to. And then this new one, no time to die because it's a saga because we are honestly continuing from movie to movie. So much of it is dependent on what happened in Spectre and those characters and that situation that I came, I came away out of Spectre saying, I don't, I don't ever want to see this movie again. <laughs> I have no desire to research. So honestly rewatching, I was uh, seeing no time to die. I had no. I was like, "Oh yeah, that's right. He was with this girl, I guess." And there's this other stuff that I guess it kind of petered out, unfortunately. As great as Daniel Craig is as Bond, and as great as even this latest movie has moments, I think that 
everyone's going to say the same thing. They're going to say Casino Royale was great, Skyfall was great. And the other ones are are and I think that also an issue is that because Craig's bonds are so like serious and are like very character driven bonds character since they didn't have the lighter the the elements like Moore or Brosnan you didn't have anything else in those movies to at least so at least it's like I don't know what's going on with the plot I don't care but okay at least there's some fun elements that can at least you know you know, uh, give me some kind of satisfaction. Well, that is interesting, though, because I think it's, you know, as moviegoers, we we have that approach with just about anything, uh, whether it's a Marvel movie, a DC movie. This um, balance of the seriousness yeah, now you know, with We you see know, that with the elements. We, I mean, my God, you know, when we talk about Man of Steel, we know how much of a... Yeah, that, uh, of that a, divide created, yeah, you know, the you divisiveness. Know. And that is exactly what's going happens with Bond. Now, the thing with Craig's time and this is again we'll finish up in a I think the issue with Craig comes down to they were never willing to reintroduce those again those those elements that were lighter for a four quadranty sort of way the humor and some of the other stuff and they were re- very committed to the sort of the, the 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 sort of grounded story but those plots have to be more the plots have to be more compelling the other characters have to be mm-hmm. and when you look at the Craig films that don't kind of work like Quantum of Solace or this, it really comes down to, it's like, well, so you're not, you're not giving me the light stuff. And this stuff that is here is either opaque or is not paced well, or feels drawn out and bloated. And that's the worst thing about any Bond film, any Bond film from any of the actors. Eras. They can tend to be, they, they can tend to bloat. When I was watching No Time to Die, I was going like, this is a this is a this is a two hour and thirty seven minute movie. When you get to the hour and fifteen mark and you still, ah, <laughs> uh, uh, do I? I got almost an hour left. I don't, and it hurt those. I think it hurt those films. Whereas you look at Skyfall and Skyfall's a long film, but it's paced so well, and the story and the characters mm. and everything that happens is so compelling. It, it it flies by, and you're enjoying yourself. We're going to go into a much deeper dive to Craig because we're going to do a uh, a review for No Time to Die along with a retrospective of his period uh, in the film. Is there anything uh, anyone wants to get their, off their chest about Bond before we uh, finish up here? Any uh, uh, funny questions, John? Is there anything you, uh, as, a, as a guy, because I, I would like to ask, like you said, since you know Bond uh, as a, a pop culture thing, from the Brosnan era and that those games were big. And, you know, we, we talked about, we said GoldenEye, but there were a few other Bond games, right, afterwards. So it became successful on that level, too. Um, is there anything about Bond you know, questions or anything about uh, his appeal, what we think, anything as a millennial? I think you covered it. Think you covered okay. It well. This is John's way of saying, Miguel. I've got an appointment I've got to get to, so I'm not going to tell you. No, no, no. I, think... I, I, I would bring this this one thing up, especially if it's, you know, if there's a, one of the main themes here is the tracing tra- trends of this particular franchise. Um, and I completely forgot this, but in my research yesterday, I, re- I realized, oh, well, uh, I think it was the third Austin Powers movie where they did this um, this flashback episode where Austin was in college and he was... Right. Dr. Evil was like his roommate. 
Yes. You know, it's like they attempted to to have this like, you know, the like this Oh, the Blofeld the, and, the, and Bond thing, yeah. Right, exactly. Which is like and then only to Which itself is believe me, the Daniel Craig, you know, this is another part I'm I I I said I wanted to finish not talking about. The other part about Daniel Craig is that they gave him Christoph Waltz as his arch nemesis. Slash actor. brother. And that's Slash the problem. Brother. We suddenly get into the like like I got it half brother. And you will long lost. You tell me when you finally see no time to die, (laughs) because you're going like there's stuff that goes down, and you go wait that doesn't make any sense because you told me they were brothers. (laughs) Yeah, this is but it's it's not just that. that, That's that's that the whole the whole point. Like there's a real deep underlying saga here. It's like no, I am torturing you because you are because. Father favored you. I am, I, you know, yes, I I've been cast out. Your, yeah, this is no different than like you know Will Scarlet, uh, Christian Slater's it's, Will Scarlet it's, telling it's, that's the Robin. Thing, yeah. It's like no, 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 the problem no, it, is your father loved you more than you loved me. It's worse than that. It's it's it is the Joker kills Batman's parents. <laughs> it is this unnecessary additional connection between you know hero and villain. That I think a lot of screenwriters think, oh, we make this personal, we make this deep, and like, yes, it will. Something like that obviously will. But you know what? For some characters, I, I Superman does not need to live in the same freaking town as Lex Luthor and grow up and be childhood friends. The Joker should not kill that. Shouldn't it be that these guys are in a collision course not because of personal vendetta, but like, no, either this is my job. I'm I'm a spy. Who gets paid by my country to fuck up whatever shit you're doing? That's you know this you know if you think a, this is personal, it's not. And that's that's, the thing. A, we, that's how little you matter to me, Mister Villain. This isn't personal. We could have easily had a, a separate show on the villains, right? Because the villainy of Bond, Bond is the universe, itself. It's, a, it's, a, it's iconic. Like, end yeah, end. it's it be, and it it really now and I have what that say. I have to say if there's anything that doesn't chase trends. The villainies here, the villainy that exists within this universe, it's a lot of like, I'm going to tell you my plan before I kill you, Mr. Bond, right? Um, or I'm going to reveal something to you before I kill you, Mr. Bond. Bond, you know? almost, almost, Bond battles henchmen who are always the physical threat, but the villains are always masterminds. Mm-hmm. You know, and also because it's a grounded, like, spy world, yeah. it's not, they, they also, <laughs> their gimmicks... They what is have, the, what is the line in do, the, the with the laser like that's about to cut him? Do you expect me to talk? No, Mister Pond, I expect you to die. <laughs> uh, that's the thing, because it's a as grounded as a Bond film can be. It's not superhero stuff, right? So and it is at the same and, well, time. Well, it is, but it, but it is in the sense that since no one has powers or anything or is wearing costumes, mm. you got to have some de- like defining traits and things. So they're all working on a different shtick. Gofeld is is, you know, I've got gold. It's just <laughs> like, you know, it's like I'm obsessed with gold. You've got um uh uh was it Lashif with his bleeding eye. You got to give him all these little ticks <laughs> and things that, you know, that make them larger than life and outlandish while all just being dudes who have a, some sort of nefarious plan. Like, it's not like Magneto has magnetic powers and this other guy has other powers. It's just like, nope, it, they're all masterminds uh, and they got to have something that can differentiate themselves. Um, and, you know, Bond, you know, wrapping it up here, Bond's influence, um, while he's has changed trends, he also is this thing that, you know, 
by this point, so ubiquitous in the culture, these are shorthands. You know, we will say things like, uh, you know, uh, a supervillain's volcano hideout. The reason we have that as a trope <laughs> and a cliche is because of the end of You Only Live Twice. You know, or the Kingsman, <laughs> or the, well, again, you wouldn't have the yeah, you wouldn't or have Austin the, Power, you or know, Austin like, Powers, yeah. or this, you know, this sort of like, and even when you have a series, we said the Bourne influencing Craig's run. The truth is, Bourne is a reaction to Bond. Bourne is a, uh, you know. I want to take this into a maybe a more sci-fi kind of like level. But you, you want sci-fi? It's uh, Mayday. Why don't you take him to the other room for drinks? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, hey John, uh, let me let me uh, let me take you out there for 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 a drink. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Because in 1985, the most efficient way <laughs> Max Zorn could have killed a person was to throw him out of a blip. <laughs> I don't think we have anything much more to say. Uh, this is a uh, the first part of a two-parter. Uh, we will be coming back uh, once, uh, uh, I assume, uh, Ed and John have seen uh, No Time to Die to sort of uh, finish us off. I felt the need to do this because I think that not only is Bond huge, this is the 25th of the official films, but it is also the end of an era for an actor who was very well received in the part. Even if I'm saying that I hey, I didn't like, you know, I only like two out of his films. I think he is going to be well remembered and without a doubt, Daniel Craig, I think, has a, a very long career ahead of himself. Because he is incredibly talented and charismatic. And charismatic. And he's a superstar, right? He's, a, so. he's definitely a superstar. And he, lives gonna, <laughs> and he lives in Brooklyn. And he lives in Brooklyn. So please, please, anyone, uh, come back and join us for for that. And as always, I want to thank Jonathan Vergar for the use of Pancake Studios. Uh, always want to thank uh, my uh, uh, my co-pilot, my Chinese brother. Please Edward call Ing. me. Dr. Ng. <laughs> Dr. Ng. Which way? It's just, just Dr. Just, Dr. Was there, was there a typo? Is that what happened? There's well, you know, I mean, supervillain medical school. <laughs> supervillain medical school. Uh, the truth is, it's a, it's a doctorate in English literature. <laughs> um... Uh, it, it is, it's something, it, it's, it's, it's big, it's influential, and, uh... It's definitely worthy of a two-parter, and we're coming to the end of Craig's run, so I kind of felt the need to, to mm. do this show. So, yeah, see you please next time. join us again, yep. and until next time. To be continued. <laughs> to be continued. Hey, thanks for listening to To Be Continued. The Fanboy Podcast. Please check us out at www.tobecontinuedafanboypodcast.com. You can also be found on Twitter, Facebook, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify.